It's the HBCU Report with Bob Calloway. So very long Trying to get my nerve built up To be so strong I really want to meet you But I'm kind of scared Cause you're the kind of lady With so much class I get my thoughts together For the very next day But when I see you, lady I forget Callaway hanging out with you. The Tuesday night edition of the HBCU Report. Thank you guys for tuning in. However, you may be listening live either via Spreaker, iHeartRadio, or the TuneIn Radio app. Know that we really appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend that we're here Tuesday and Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and Saturday mornings at 9. And you can always check us out on demand at any time uh, via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play for Android, or our official content partner. When we're not here, we're there. There is sportsnewsandbrews.com. Your official source for sports, black news, political news, and the latest on your favorite craft beers. Yes, sir. I am here Tuesday night. And uh, tonight officially kicks off the salute to 1992. Just to go back for a second, for those of you that haven't heard the show in a second, last week uh, when we officially went to uh, multiple shows a week, we debuted or yeah, we uh, will say that we debuted uh, what we'll be doing moving forward. And every week, Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday, we'll salute a particular year. So we started with 1991 last week. And so now we're at 1992. Okay, so make sure 
that, uh, you know, you're following along. I mean, you know, give me some input, you know, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, head HBCU report. You know, if I'm missing something, you know, throw it, you know, I look, I'm, I'm more than open to the uh, criticism. I mean, I take it. I take it. You know what I'm saying? So it's all good. If you feel like I'm missing something or maybe if you feel like I'm doing too much, how's that? Then you can always let me know. But you know what I'm really trying to do is just encompass everything that that I enjoy. Right. And just roll it into the HBCU report. I mean, because for so long, the HBCU report was just you know, interviews, interviews, coaches, this, this, this. It wasn't really a good mixture of the culture. And so, you know, that's what I'm trying to do at this point is that I'm trying to actually infuse, you know, more of the the culture, the urban culture and just pop culture, just all cultures into uh, what it is that we do here Tuesday and Thursday night and Saturday mornings at nine. All right. So this is the HBCU Report. Rob Calloway hanging out with you. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Uh, If you missed uh, any previous shows, uh, especially last week, man, we had, let's see, what did we do? Starting two Saturdays ago, if I'm not mistaken, we had, yeah, two Saturdays ago, we had Coach Reginald Reffin on, and he uh, officially crowned me the Petey Green of HBCU Sports Talk. The Petey Green. Yeah, I received that. I can't even lie. I, it's a whole lot of other people that he could have said. He could have been like the Gumble Brothers. He could have been like Stuart Scott. He could have said Stephen A. He could have said any of them. But he said, Petey, Rob, you are the Petey Green of HBCU Sports Talk. Yeah, and I received that, Coach. And so uh, we, we chopped it up with him a few weeks ago. And so uh, a lot of things have come out. So I'm going to make sure that uh, we circle back around because he's the athletic director at Miles. And so he's involved in more of these uh, NCAA meetings where, where they're talking about uh, what's going to happen and what might happen and the proposals that they're throwing on the table. Like he's privy to all of that. And so uh, we're going to circle back around and uh, try to catch up with Coach Reffin in the next uh, week or so to see if there have been any developments that that we don't know about since we don't quote unquote have uh, boots on the ground. Uh, last Tuesday night, we were joined by Doug Stewart of one half of the world famous Two Live Stews. Uh, he is in the life insurance industry these days and doing a phenomenal job. He's my life insurance guy. And uh, he talked to us about why it's so important for our community, the African-American community to, you know, invest in life insurance and and it's a game changer so please go back check that out because that was very educational for those of you that might be considering uh purchasing some life insurance and then thursday i had a family emergency so we didn't do anything thursday uh saturday though uh we had a another another great show I'm always going to say it's a great one. It was a great one. Reggie Barlow, head football coach of the Virginia State University Trojans, checked in with us early Saturday morning uh, to talk about what he's doing uh, during this whole COVID-19 pandemic. Of course, Virginia State shut down just like every other institution of higher learning. And so Reggie's back in Montgomery. He's out there fishing. He's out there, you know, getting his workouts in and, you know, all kind of stuff. So we've been moving. So make sure that you go back and relive any of those moments uh, that you might have missed via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play for Android. All right. HBCU Report Tuesday night. Man, it is so unbelievable that there's a whole lot of nothing going on right now. Let's just be very honest. You know, sports, you know, I I thought it might have been a great idea if, if, if they did have sports with no fan participation, no fans in the stands. But you know what? After seeing this whole WrestleMania thing over the weekend, I'm like, nah, sports sucks with no fans in in the arena. Just, I mean, it sucks. Totally. Who saw WrestleMania? Like, let's be honest. It was a bunch of wrestling, a bunch of acting going on, but it doesn't have the same effect if the fans aren't in the arena. Like, you could be watching on TV and they could be going through the whole gimmick, but unless the fans are reacting in the crowd, then... It, it just doesn't it doesn't have the same effect. You know, and you know you're losing when something like Grunt winning the 24-7 belt becomes a thing. Not to say that the WWE doesn't usually prop up some athlete to do something like this, but 
man, they needed those ratings bad. It was terrible. That, I mean, in my opinion, it was terrible. I mean, there's no other way to put it. As somebody that has seen just about every WrestleMania starting at one, as somebody that was a WCW NWA wrestling fan and have seen every great American bash and every Starcade, like, yeah, yeah, it sucked. It sucked. Jesus, it sucked. And so, you know, if you've been listening to the show over the past few weeks, you know that I'm in quarantine just like everybody else. Well, I'm not self-quarantine, but y'all know what I mean. The shelter in place thing. And so I've just been watching a lot of TV and I ended up uh, just watching the wrestling. I Yeah, I was like, man, let me see. Let me go online, go to my little special website and check WrestleMania out. Oh, my God. It was terrible. It was so terrible. Jesus. You know, I've also been telling you about these movies that I've been watching on Netflix. Now, I I don't have time right now because we actually have two guests coming up in tonight's show. But uh, Thursday night, I'm going to tell you all about or talk to y'all. Maybe y'all have seen it because it was in the top 10 on Netflix. Taraji Taraji Hanson has this movie with this this kid. Man, I forget the name of it. It's something in coffee or coffee and something. Oh, my God. This kid's mouth is terrible. But we'll talk about that Thursday. Yeah. Coming up uh, later on in the show. Well, actually, in a matter of moments, uh, we will be joined by Carlton Wright, director of bands, Alabama A&M University. You know, I'm always trying to do my part to help these band programs promote what it is that they do. And so right now, you know, these band directors would normally be making their rounds to the high schools, doing auditions, giving scholarship offers and all of that kind of stuff. And so that's not happening right now. And so Carlton's going to check in with us. He's going to give us uh, some information on how kids uh, can send their audition videos to him if they're interested in attending Alabama A&M. And then, you know, we just go chop it up because, you know, that's what me and Carlton do. And coming up later in the show, we'll be joined by Super Bowl champion, Bama State Hornet. My oh my, it's always a great time to be a Hornet. Michael Cole checks in with the show for the very first time. And so all of that and more happens right here on the HBCU Report. But let's take a look back at what happened in 1992. It was April 2nd of 92 that Mafia boss John Gotti was convicted of, of the murder of mob boss Paul Castellano and of racketeering. He was later sentenced to life in prison. Arkansas Governor Bill Clinton was nominated for U.S. President and Tennessee Senator Al Gore for Vice President at the Democratic National Convention in New York in music. December 15th. This was a groundbreaker right here. December 15th was a groundbreaker. This was the day, December 15th of 1992, that Dr. Dre released The Chronic. Now, here's the thing. Dr. Dre released The Chronic on December 15th, but on the very same day, Eazy-E released like this little EP called 5150 Home for the Sick. And the only reason that he released it was just to like throw off the sales, like the West Coast sales of, of what Dr. Dre was trying to do, even though it didn't stop it. But everybody remembers that that what Eazy-E said, that Dre Day was made a payday for easy or whatever the word whatever whatever the word i forgot what the exact lyrics were but it was like the dre day was my payday or something he said anyway uh so that happened that, that's big in hip-hop history and then the far side yeah man the far side one of my favorite hip-hop groups released their debut album bizarre ride to the far side that was a banger uh, in the box office july 1st of 1992 Boomerang, directed by Reginald Hutland, starring Eddie Murphy, Halle Berry, and Martin Lawrence. Oh, and Robin Givens. High hit box offices on November 18th. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. Malcolm X, directed by Spike Lee, starring Denzel Washington, hit the box office. And in sports, the Chicago Bulls won four games to two over the Portland Trailblazers to claim their second straight NBA championship. And in Major League Baseball, the Toronto Blue Jays won four games to two over the Braves. I remember that like yesterday to win the World Series. So that's a look back in 1992. Man, whoo, that was, man, that was a heartbreaker for Atlanta right there. This is the HBCU Report. Rob Calloway hanging out with you. Oh, really quick, really quick before we go to break, because I, I got to go to our guest. Look, really quick. How many of you all have been checking out these battles? Man, these battles have, these producer battles, these, these producer battles have been serious. You know, 
that Lil John and T-Pain probably was my favorite. You know, because I'm all with John because I'm at ATL, John's ATL. I've been I've been around for the, the entire ride. But T-Pain got some hits, y'all. T-Pain got some hits. Also, I uh, had the opportunity. I don't even think I talked about it last week, but I uh, watched that um, uh, Teddy Riley and Blackstreet performance. And man, you kind of forget. Again, you forget about the hits that, that Teddy Riley, that, that he has. You know, and then they were supposed to do the battle uh, Sunday. It was Babyface versus Teddy Riley, and I'm not sure what happened. I heard Teddy Riley pulled out because, you know, he wanted to be in control and make sure that the sound was right, which I get because the sound has been one of the, the, the big factors in all of these battles. Now, when Teddy Riley did his thing, what, a week or so ago, you know, the audio was phenomenal. I streamed it from my phone and my TV, and it was phenomenal. But it's a great time to be alive, ladies and gentlemen. You know, just the fact that artists are doing these kind of things. You know, I really hope the Babyface and Teddy Riley get it back together because uh, Riley has those hits. I mean, he, I mean, Riley got a lot of hits, but Babyface got a lot of hits too. But I think Babyface hits skewed to more towards the older crowd. Like, I'll be 42 this year, but I believe in the, my heart of hearts that Babyface's audience might be 45 and older. I don't think that I'm, I think I, I just miss being like in the real baby face demo. I think I did. Maybe, I don't I think I did. It might be some of y'all out there that's right around my age that's like, what? I love baby face. Yeah, well, I wanted the room zoom zoom and the boom boom. So you can have that. <laughs> this is the HBCU Report. Rob Calloway hanging out with you guys, man. Coming up on the other side, we will talk with Carlton Wright, director of bands, Alabama A&M, all of that and more coming up right here on the HBCU Report. Open calendar. What's my schedule looking like? Next Thursday, you will be caught in an emergency flash flood between Park and First Street. What? No, no, that, that doesn't work. I'm, I'm busy then. Decline. De- decline. Floods don't exactly work around your schedule. Disasters don't plan ahead, but you can. It starts with talking to your loved ones about making an emergency plan. So don't wait, communicate. Visit gema.ga.gov. Brought to you by GEM, HSA, Ready Georgia, FEMA, and the Ad Council. If you missed the HBCU Report with Rob Calloway, here's what you missed. In your eyes, Coach, what does that say about my character that I wasn't serious enough about the student part of being a student athlete to already have taken the test? You can't. You can't play football and have a desire to play on a higher level if you don't take the ACT. And the earlier you take it, uh, the better off you'll be because the test is not necessarily a cakewalk. You know, um, there's a lot of people that don't do well the first time they take it. So um, I just think every high school coach out there should just really hone in on getting their guys uh, to go and take uh, the test when they come in as ninth graders and then take it again as 10th graders, 11th graders, and just keep going. And then by the time you're seeing, you would have taken the thing at least four times. HBCU sports fans who finally have a voice. This is the HBCU Report with Rob Calloway. All I wanna do is on my zoom 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 and a boom boom. All I wanna do is on my zoom 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 and a boom boom. All I wanna do is on my zoom 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 and a boom boom. All I wanna do is on my zoom 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 and a boom boom. Check baby check baby one two three four check baby check baby one two three check baby check baby one two. The beach is like sweeter than candy I'm feeling manly and your shake is coming in handy Slide on my claws from New York down by your Virginia Tickling you around Delaware before I enter Talk to seduction from face hips to feet A wiggle and a tickle can make the night complete Now since you got the body of the year, come and get the award Here's a hint, it's like a long shot sword Flip tails and let me see you shake it up like dice The way you shake it up is turning mighty men to mice But A plus got a surprise, that's a backbreaker Now let me see you shake it up like a rough shaker All I wanna do is I'm a zoom 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 Baby, check, baby. 
booty shaking, bumps in the glasses. Booties of the cutie steady shaking, but relaxes. The action is packed in a jam like a closet. Beach bound to get you up, cold flowing like a faucet. Not me to make it sit, not me to make it jump, but yet make the hotties in the party shake it. I like the way you comb your hair. Uh, I like the stylish clothes you wear. Uh, it's just the little things you do uh, that makes me wanna get with you. Uh, all I wanna do is on my zone. This is the HBCU Report, Rod Calloway, hanging out with you guys on a Tuesday night. Thank you for tuning in as we celebrate. We kick off the celebration of 1992. We'll be celebrating 92 tonight, Thursday night, and Saturday morning. Man, this, this was a big one right here, man. You know, I had the opportunity. I'm not sure how many of you guys out there uh, actually watched the uh, Teddy Riley and Blackstreet Live performance uh, that they did um, last weekend. But man, that thing was that thing was was bananas. It was bananas, man. You you kind of forget how many hits Teddy Riley actually had, and you know when you start talking about the songs that he's produced for other people and um, the songs that he's done for his group's guy and Blackstreet. It's like, wow, Teddy Riley is a, I mean, Jesus Christ, man. You kind of forget about it. You kind of forget about it until you start hearing them. And, you know, um, I was talking in the first segment about, you know, all of these battles that we've been able to see online. And, and you know, I, I can't lie. It's a great time. Like we're suffering because of this COVID-19 situation. But it is a great time for music fans, man, because nobody's able to do anything. The DJs can't. Uh, you know, they have absolutely no gigs going on. You know, the artists, they can't get in the studio and really do what they're supposed to do because, you know, social distancing. And so, you know, I think it's a great time. And, you know, I'm going to keep saying it until somebody actually tops this. The the little John T. Payne thing the other day was just, oh, my God, it was crazy. It was crazy. And, you know, little John being, you know, from Atlanta, you know, I'm an Atlanta dude. So I know all the little John hits, right? I remember when John used to be the reggae DJ, like John, you know, like I, I know his his history. But man, when T-Pain started playing some of those songs that I knew he was on, but I didn't know that he actually uh, had produced the man. I got I got a whole nother um, appreciation for T-Pain. So uh, big shouts out to all the artists, all the producers that are participating. You know, it's this thing Bobby V wants I hear and Pleasure P from uh, Pretty Ricky to have a battle. And, and I'm begging them, please don't do that. Nobody's asking for that. Nobody's asking for Bobby Valentino and, and, and Pretty Ricky hits. Nobody's asking for that. Nobody. This is the HBCU Report. Rob Calloway hanging out with you guys Tuesday night. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HBCU Report. And as promised, being joined on the line by a good friend of the show. He is the director of bands at Alabama A&M University talking about my guy Carlton Wright. First of all, Carlton, welcome back to the HBCU Report. Thanks, Rob. Always a pleasure to be back with you, brother. Oh, yeah, man. So... You know, how you dealing with this whole COVID-19 situation, you and the family? How y'all dealing? Man, it is one of the most boring experiences that I've gone through. I mean, you know, when the school shuts down and the winter for ice and snow for two or three days, it, it, it's kind of like cabin fever then, but this is cabin fever on, on uh, steroids right now. So, you know, it's just something we got to deal with. So as a band and, director. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. Go ahead. Now, I was going to say, you, you know, you, you miss the students, you, your students miss each other, they miss us, so, you know, it's just, just one of those things we do when this whole thing blows over. As a band director, I mean, what the hell, man? I mean, I know y'all are doing digital learning like everybody else, but, you know, how how does a band director 
conduct class. Well, Rob, it's kind of challenging, but what we do is not make it to the point where it's overbearing to the students. What I do is assign some passages uh, from different uh, music that's in the concert folder, whatever the case is, and assign different scale patterns out of the I recommend book or any other method book that we use. And I randomly just call on students to, to play. Like today I have a 2 o'clock class, or tomorrow I have a 2 o'clock class with the wind ensemble, and a well, 4 o'clock. I see I'm lost on the time. But anyway, what we're going to do, uh, I assigned that to them a couple of weeks ago uh, while we were on spring break. Last week they had enough time to practice. So I'm just going to go down the road and just randomly call names, about two or three people from every instrument or every section, and just have them to play. And hopefully it will keep them on their toes, give them something to do rather than just sit around all day playing video games and things of that nature. So it kind of keeps them up on their toes. And, you know, uh, to motivate them or give them some incentive, I uh, play the same exercise I, I assigned to them. I play it on my trumpet, you know, resume it and, uh, I have the camera on myself, I get my horn, and I play it, and, you know, to the best of my ability, and tell them, hey, do it better than me. So, it works out. Right yeah. now, it's working pretty good. Yeah, I was going to ask how you were conducting class, and you mentioned Zoom, and I know that that's like the new wave thing, man. Right before we got out of school, my high school band was actually supposed to take part in what they were calling an online crank it session, or an online crank it battle you know, have you got? I know how you feel about the cranking sessions, Carlton. Have y'all been doing any cranking sessions via Zoom? No, I, I ain't no cranking going on right now. It's just, just straight technique and uh, just, just tone quality and just, just working on things that we normally would work on, but in a lesser, uh, in a less stringent capacity right now because, you know, we don't have everybody together and there's no way you can play with the whole band on Zoom at the same time with all these different feedbacks and delays and things like that. So I just take it one at a time just, and just have the students to give some critique and feedback. I tell them no negativity. Don't, don't laugh at anybody if they threw up something. Just give them some feedback and uh, ask the, uh, the student that's playing themselves about what can you do to make it better. And, you know, we just try to keep it positive and keep it fun. And we don't do that the whole two hours. You know, we'll do that once I get through at least two or three students per session. Uh, and then after that, well, per, per section, then after that, we just have a rap session, man. We just talk and just get caught up and laugh and, and you know, just, just enjoy each other while we can. Yeah, you're right. You're right. This is the HBCU Report. Rob Calloway hanging out with you guys on the line right now with Carlton Wright, Director of Bands, Alabama A&M. Thank you guys for tuning in, however you may be listening. Hi, now, Carlton, you know me. I'm a guy that's always trying to find a resolve to any situation. And, uh, you know, it just seems like this Zoom thing is about to be uh, the new wave. And I know a lot of schools have actually been doing the um, digital or online or virtual, if you will, uh, auditions for students that are interested in quite possibly participating in whatever university band. So for any student that's uh, possibly interested in attending Alabama A&M now for disclosure, I have no reason why anybody would want to go to A&M. <laughs> <laughs> no shade. You know, I love y'all, man. I'm you, trying to figure it out myself. man. <laughs> yeah. It's you, man. You know, anyway, I'm just playing, but uh, for any student that, that would be interested in auditioning for the great Carlton, Wright, Uh, how, how can they go about doing so? Well, I don't know about the great Carlton Wright, but uh, they soon can to be great. Me, soon to uh, be great. How about by, that? By email, uh, my first name Carlton C A R L T O N dot W R I G H T at A A M U dot E D U Carlton dot Wright at A A M U dot E D U. And so all they have to do is video and and oh, do the video. Now, what are they sending? Scales, right. prepared piece, and what else? Well, basically, we're look, looking for the scales, the twelve major scales, um, chromatic scale from the lowest note on the instrument possible to the highest note possible. I mean, uh, you know, comfortably that they can play comfortably, and uh, sight reading. Plus a solo. We don't want to hear the entire solo, but just a little bit of a solo so we can gauge what the tone quality is on that and the interpretation. And that's pretty much it. The scales, sight reading, and solo. All right. So give everybody your email address one more time, Carlton. All right. C A R L T O N dot 
W-R-I-G-H-T at A-A-M-U dot E-D-U. All right, very good. So here, so here's what I, I the pressing question I got to ask, man. Well, it's a twofold question. Um, I saw you on Facebook about a month ago and you were hot, boy. You were hot. And that's why I was calling you a little bit earlier about the whole cranking thing. Um, I know that you are not an uh, uh, advocate for, you know, this whole marching band 24-7, year-round, like we start seeing bands do these days. Um, talk to us about that and, and, and how, you know, how symphonic band is actually the key to the, the sound that you actually want in marching band. Okay. Well, you know, uh, I was brought up in in the uh, area for a band that was really taught music year-round. And what I mean by that, fundamentals were pushed year-round, and uh, even in marching band, and that's what we do at Alabama a and University as well. And with the marching band, uh, it was always uh, impressed upon me from all of my directors, from uh, Mr. Curtis Hollis at Carver High School in Montgomery, was Arthur Wesley, Alabama a and University, and um, the late Mr. Barney Smart at Hampton University. It was always impressed upon me through these gentlemen who were very instrumental in my career that um, the second semester uh, is when you really hone those skills and teach the students how to become better musicians. Because if you look at it, during marching band season, it's so hustle and bustle, man. I mean, you know, you're getting ready for a game on Monday through Friday, and Saturday, you're, you're at the game playing and things of that nature. And the next week or two weeks, you're changing the show, so you got to stop and, and you know, get all these things together, change the show, change the drill, all that kind of stuff. And then the travel involved, you just don't have any time to just sit down and just hone on those individual skills as you would during the symphonic season. Uh, and flipping the corner over to the final season, you're, you're not rushed. You're not in that hustle and bustle all day. So you can take time to hone those skills, work on tone quality, work on technique, work on all the things that's going to make you a better band, intonation, all those things. So, uh, and then the level of music, the difficulty in music that you play during symphonic season is a, is a lot more challenging than it would be in marching season. And not to say that uh, uh, there's not any challenging marching band traps out there because there are. Our ranger, Mario Warren, uh, does a great job in challenging the students with some good literature for our marching band. But in terms of uh, symphonic season, I think that that's where the the marching band shows up in the fall through what you do during the symphonic season. And for the guys that want to do marching band all year, I mean, you know, that that's on them, but you, know, you can't knock... Uh, and, and I'm not really knocking them for wanting to do that because as, as uh, university bands, um, we have marching band events all year. Uh, we had to play at the Mardi Gras Parade. We had to play some events around campus. Uh, of course, our pep band is always active during the second semester, just like all HBCUs and other PWI institutions. But the bottom line is my position is that we're going to get better going the second semester playing uh, wind ensemble symphonic concert band literature rather than just playing whole notes and, you know, blasting all year round. That's that's not what we're about. All right, Carlton, my final question for you, and this is the HBCU Report. Rob Calloway hanging out with you Tuesday night. Thank you guys for tuning into the show. All right, my final question. You know, educator to educator. You know, I have this thing about block scheduling because that's what the kids, most of the kids around here, that's what they're on, block scheduling. You know, I have a problem with block scheduling because, you know, as a musician, as a former bandsman, you know, I see the decline. And I'm not sure if you really know how this thing is operating, you know, here anyway. But um, in the in the way that we operate block scheduling, you know, the band director basically has three codes. And after a student goes through three of those codes through, you know, over a three semester period in high school after that then they're absolutely, they're just done. They can't take any other band classes. They're done, you know, except for maybe after school if they're doing something after school. So, you know, my my thing, and every time I I, I talk to the band kids, it always bothers me, but I want to get your opinion on that. You know, do you think that, you know, a kid that only sees a band class three semesters out of what, a, a possible eight, you know, are they really equipped 
to audition for any collegiate band and could that ultimately trickle down and start to affect what we start seeing with university bands yeah that that could that could be a detriment on on uh, the high school level band and in particular it's going to spill up into the collegiate level right so with that uh yeah that that is very uh disturbing now uh here in Alabama when I was teaching at minor high school um we want a block schedule, and I guess it all depends on the administrator. It all depends on the principal and what they value, and things of that nature with the with the uh, guidance counselor. We never had that problem. Most of our students, we were able to see all four years, both semesters on block schedule. So that actually worked out better for us because that ninety six minutes proved uh, really valuable because we were able to get a whole lot done and that limited the amount of time that we stayed after school to work because um, almost two hours for 96 minutes that's plenty of time to get a lot of things done so we we could really work on some uh, good warm-up techniques and then take that over into the music and if we practice after school we take a break for about 15 to 20 minutes and then stay another hour after school just to make sure that we polished up on everything so that kind of limited the, the amount of time that we stayed after school having that nine or six minutes in class. So again, I think that depends on the administrator and the counselors and the relationship that you can have with them as a band director. Oh man, before I let you go, what we're doing on the show nowadays, uh, we kicked it off last week, uh, is that we're commemorating a year every week. So last week we kicked off 1991. And so this evening show kicks off 1992. So in the year 1992, where were you Carlton Wright? 1992, I was in Hampton University in graduate school uh, in Hampton, uh, Hampton, Virginia. So musically, in 1992, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you three artists, and I want you to tell me which one was probably the most influential, or what what you were listening to the most in, in 1992. Um, Jodeci released uh, their debut album the year before, but Come and Talk to Me was the number one album in 1992, was the number one song in 1992. Uh, the Far Side released their debut album, Bizarre Ride to the Far Side, and on December 15th, 1991, Dr. Dre released The Chronic. Out of those three, which one had the most influence on me? <laughs> yeah, musically, or just as, you know, a music lover, a band director, whatever. I, I, I would say The Chronic. Uh, the chronic. So that, that I knew was you some, was gonna say. That was some, uh, go ahead. I knew you was gonna say the chronic. <laughs> Not for what reasons <laughs> that people might think about the chronic, but that was a whole different level of funk right there, man. I mean, you know, uh, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg—they took that thing way back and uh, brought some things back from the '70s and put it in the '90s. So, you know, that was a whole different sound right there. And yeah, I love Jodeci. And, and things of that nature. Uh, Janet Jackson was pretty hot back then. Yep. She came out with that Rhythm album. Nation. But uh, I, I would say Dr. Dre and Chronic, man, that, that was that was a bomb right there. Yeah, it's the bomb. There you go. You knew just how yeah. to close that thing out. Yeah, it was the bomb. Yeah, <laughs> it's the bomb. Yes, <laughs> Carl Wright, Director of Bands, Alabama a Man, thank you so much for uh, checking in with me. And look, I want you and the fam, make sure y'all are safe. You know what I'm saying? Stay indoors as much as possible. I know you probably won't get outside and do you some little eight to fives or something, but man, stay in the house, man. Stay in the house. I'm doing eight to five that lime or just about one. <laughs> right, me too. That's what I got to do tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate it, brother. All right, bro. Okay. You too, bro. All right. All right, great stuff right there from Carlton Wright. This is the HBCU Report. Rob Calloway hanging out with you. Don't forget, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HBCU Report. Now, you know if I talk to somebody from Alabama A&M, it's only befitting that I talk to somebody from my beloved Alabama State University, oh, mother dear. So coming up on the other side, we're going to talk with a Super Bowl champion. That's right, former Hornet Michael Coe will join the show coming up on the other side as we continue to commemorate the year 1992 right here on the HBCU Report. Titans, go! When the Teen Titans go to the movies, they know the best way to travel is safely. Hollywood, here we come! And you know it's super. To keep your child safe, be sure to use the right car seat for their age and size. Exactly. I know you're feeling 
We're finally on the big screen. Have a seat, my dude. For more information on finding the right seat, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Gotcha. That's a wise move. It's an Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. If you missed the HBCU Report with Rob Calloway, here's what you missed. Rob Calloway tapping it up with Doug Stewart. Black folk, man, we suffer from a, a disease called lack of insurance. Like, but we don't <laughs> ever have insurance, but we got to start a GoFundMe. We got to get a PayPal. We, we got to get all this stuff going. So, first of all, why is it important to make sure that you have some type of life coverage? Like other communities, man, they look long term. You know, we're very short-sighted in the way we view life. But imagine if you, you know, turned 21 and you had $300,000 waiting for you in a life insurance that you could use to put down on a house or start a business. You know, so a lot of times we just start out behind the eight ball in our community because we don't use life insurance as a tool to build financial wealth. HBCU sports fans, you finally have a voice. This is the HBCU Report with Rob Calloway. One, two, Bring it to the folks, Snoop Doggy Dogg and Dr. Dre is at the door. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Cause you know we're about to rip shit up. Give me the microphone first so I can bust like a bubble. Compton and Long Beach together, now you know you in trouble. Ain't nothing but a G-Bang, baby. Too low death niggas, so we're crazy. Death Row is the label that pays, man. Unfatable, so please don't try to face this. But uh, back to the lecture at hand. Perfection is perfected, so I'ma let them understand. From a young G's perspective And before me digger the bitch I have to find a contraceptive You never know she could be earning her man And learning her man And at the same time burning her man Now you know I ain't with that shit lieutenant Ain't no pussy good enough to get burned while I'm offended yeah. And that's realer than real deal Holy feel And now you hooked up in hoes know how I feel Well if it's good enough to get broke off a proper chunk I take a small piece of some of that funky stuff It's like this and like that and like this and uh It's like that and like this and like that and it's like this and like that and like this and up Drake creep to the mic like a fan Well I'm peeping and I'm creeping and I'm creeping But I damn near got caught Cause my beeper kept beeping Now it's time for me to make my impression felt So sit back, relax, and strap on your seat Y'all you never been on a ride like this before With a producer who can rap and control the maestro At the same time with the dope rhyme that I kick You know and I know I flow some old funky shit To add to my collection This selection symbolizes dope Take the but don't choke if you do You have no clue of what me and my homie Snoop Dogg came to do It's like this and like that and like this and uh It's like that and like this and like that and uh It's like this and who gives a fuck about those? So just chill to the next episode <laughs> This is the HBCU Report Rob Calloway hanging out with you Tuesday night show I really appreciate you guys for tuning in However you may be listening Don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend that the HBCU Report is live Tuesday and Thursday night at 7 and Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock, all right? Please make an appointment. Make an appointment. I'll be right here for you and yours, all right? Uh, 1992, man. That's what we're celebrating right here. Dr. Dre with uh, his smash album. I mean, this thing was huge. The Chronic, uh, nothing but a G thing. Man, let me just, let me just be honest. Let's just be honest here, ladies and gentlemen. How many careers were spawned out of the Chronic album? You had Daz and Corrupt. You had Snoop Dogg. Who else did you have? Lady of Rage. Um, Who else? It was somebody else. DOC came back on the Chronic. Uh, who else? It's, I'm missing. I'm, oh, Nate Dogg. I'm missing somebody else. I'm missing somebody else, but this album created an entire culture, not only, and I'm just being honest, because I, I can tell you exactly what was going on around the time that this came out, uh, December of 1992, I was in the ninth grade, and I can just tell you what was going on, is that Dr. Dre created a whole culture. You know, they were talking about this weed, and they were talking about, I mean, hell, the album was called The Chronic, had the big weed leaf on the album. And when I say they created a whole culture, I mean, they had a group of artists, West Coast artists that became mainstream artists that everybody knew. 
But at the same time, they made all of these references to marijuana and people were walking around with these airbrush hats with the marijuana leaf on it or with the T-shirt with the big marijuana leaf on it. And the God honest truth, when the chronic, when Dr. Dre death row, the chronic, that whole movement started. That is what I would like to call the rebirth of reefer madness. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, reefer reefer madness because all of a sudden everybody wanted to smoke the chronic everybody i mean it just became a whole thing i mean they were in, in the in the video smoking weed drinking 40s i mean they were doing a they were doing a lot you know and it and and it became a culture i mean it became a culture and then it kind of trickled trickled down over the the generations I mean, and now it's become a whole nother thing. Now it went from just being weed to now these kids just doing all kind of stuff, all kind of stuff. But that was 1992. I mean, that was a great time. Dre and Snoop, Daz Corrupt, they were just having fun, man. Oh, I forgot about Warren G, but I don't think Warren G was on the Chronic album. I don't think he was actually on the album. And and just a you know a little bit more history since we're talking about this. Everybody should know that Dr. Dre and Warren G are what half brothers. Yeah, half brothers. And that's that's in real life. They not like play play. I mean, that's in real life. So there's that. 1992. This is the HBCU Report. Rob Calloway hanging out with you. Thank you guys for tuning in. As I just mentioned, I really appreciate it, man. You know, the, the times that we're living in right now are so crazy. I'm just glad that I'm able to come in and uh, go live and, and actually uh give you all something you know something to listen to i mean and hopefully you know y'all like it i mean we're doing it three nights a week three days a week now so you know there's that part there's that part hopefully somebody's listening other than my mama hey mama (laughs) oh man switching gears as promised uh on the line right now we are being joined by super bowl champion bama state hornet it's always a great time to be a Hornet. Michael Cole joins us making his first appearance on the HBCU Report. So, Mike, first of all, thank you for joining us on the HBCU Report. I just appreciate you having me. Appreciate oh, you having me. Go Hornets. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, before we, you know, start talking, you know, uh, collegiate football and NFL and all that good stuff, you know, um, talk to me about growing up in Memphis and, and how that process was and, and playing football in that area, high school football. Oh man, for me, for me, it was great. Um, probably one of the, some of the best times I had in my life. Uh, Memphis just has so many raw athletes. And I know Memphis a lot of times is not, uh, really known like Florida or, you know, Georgia or Texas as far as just putting out great football players. There's so many great athletes. Um, we know for basketball guys play basketball and football and you find so many diamonds in the rough. So, um, just having that kind of athletic competition, I think around my years, about 20 guys that went kind of SEC big schools around that area. So just growing up and having those, um, I guess, that kind of competition for yourself and being in the middle of SEC country, you know, Ole Miss is 20 minutes, 40 minutes away, Mississippi State, all those kind of things. You, you, you're, you gravitate to that lure and that tradition uh, of being in the South. So, you know, football was king. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I know that you went to University of Arkansas. Arkansas, yes. Yeah. So – you know, and, and you did what a lot of folks have done, and that's you leave there and find your way at an HBCU. You know, now, right. now talk to us about, now I know from a financial standpoint, it's a difference, but from a nurturing standpoint, you know, what is the difference between going to a, you know, a PWI versus an HBCU in your opinion? Or what was your experience? Like? Oh man, I tell you, I've been, I've been a full advocate of this. Uh, and this is deep. I'm a deep thinker, but I hope you can stay with me on this one. I'm with you, bro. Um, okay, like, going to Arkansas was great. Um, you know, going to SEC, playing on TV, doing I was a two-year starter before I left and went to um, Alabama State. It was awesome. But when I went to Alabama State, um, one thing was great to play with my dad. Uh, it gave me opportunity to be closer with my father. So that was that was great uh, time that I could, you know, man, when I'm – old and have grandkids that I was going to tell about, man, I actually got to have a chance to get to know who my dad was on a deeper level. But the nurturing part is what you hit it. I don't think you know that you wear a mask 
until the time that you don't have to wear one anymore. Mm. And Ooh, you being in the PWI, um, you all you for the most part you all you justify who you are, your existence of being a black man. Um, you know, you've tattoos, your earrings are, you know, it's so much of that underlying racism, um, that probably on the, uh, the majority is not malicious, but it's just what's taught. Right. And so even with your teachers and, um, just the normal day to day life, uh, people said some things to me that's off the chain. Like you don't look like a regular black guy or you, you, you have to justify yourself on the littlest things. And then when you go to HBCU, nobody cares because they've been around black people. You don't have to define yourself, oh, you're an athlete or, oh, you're Greek or you're an engineer. You're just black, successful black men trying to do the right thing. You know what I mean? You're, just, you're, you're trying to achieve your goals. So you didn't have to try to fit in. You could just be. And people just accept you for just being you. And that was the, the most, probably freest time of my life being able to play at an HBCU. And it's not just for people I talk about the band and the Greek life and all, all that is cool, but the, just the freedom of walking around and not being judged. The freedom of like, hey, I wonder if this, these people sit me in the back of this restaurant because I'm a black dude. You know, that, that freedom that maybe you take for granted or think is not there when you come to HBCU, it, it kind of lifts that off you. Well, that's making sense. Well, if you could do it all over again, would the young version of yourself just go to a HBCU off the rip, or would you still want that PWI experience? I don't know. Um, I don't know. But I tell you this: having to play HBCU for four years has been great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think having that experience at a PWI made me more appreciative of being at HBCU. Um, I would have walked around this life not knowing how much the weight I carried until I let it go. And that HBCU, you get that experience of like, man, I'm just cool. You have like people from all over the country. Um, California, I had some guys from California on the team, Texas, all over the country who were just, like I said, the engineers and uh, doctors. I mean, some of, some of the guys I even play football with are now. Uh, Foster is a dentist, you know what I mean? Um, so all I said to all that is that when you go to uh, PWO, a lot of times they just, group you into a box of you're a football player. So you're this, you're here to just do that. And like, you can't have any other interests or you have mm-hmm. to define or give an explanation of why do you like art or why do you like music? And that, like I said, I know I'm repeating myself a different way, but just going to HBCU, that goes away. Yeah. Absolutely. People allow you to be you. And it's, it's amazing. Man. It's great. It was great. Absolutely. This is the HBCU Report. Rob Calloway on the line with Michael Coe. You know, just talking life. It's always a great time to be a Hornet. So, you know, I I don't you don't know this, always. but in, in, the previ- <laughs> in the previous segment, you know, I talked to the band director of Alabama A&M. So it was only befitting that I get somebody from state on the show. You know, it was only befitting to, to actually make this show great. So yeah, that's that's what you need to make it great. That's how we do it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how you do it. Absolutely. So, so look. So you know, you you go from uh, University of Arkansas down to South Jackson Street in Montgomery. Then you make the transition and, and actually get to live that dream that so many football players uh, aspire, and and that's the the to make it to the National Football League. How was that um, transition going from being a, a college athlete to becoming a professional athlete for you? Well, I mean the um, the hunger was there. You know, I was just so hungry. You know, just to prove that I can do it, to, just to prove I belong. Like I played against some of these guys in the Senior Bowl, and I ball against them but you you have to understand the, the politics and the business side of sports um you can have your best day ever out there i've had people tell me that i was a they thought i was a second round draft choice some people told me they thought i was a first one athlete but because of where i went to school you're not gonna get picked that way so people are not gonna pick you until later had all type of things so just going into that going to the coach and having a black coach it was it was a good experience for me and I couldn't have asked for a better mentor than, than Tony Dungy. Um, so that kind of, I guess, started to shape who I was as an athlete. Uh, but like I said, the, the biggest thing you don't know is the business of the sport. It's very, very business-driven. It's very much politics. It's a billion-dollar industry. And you don't know how to play the game until you really know how to play the game. And um thankful and uh, 
God bless me, his blessings that I got to, to play a little bit longer to kind of really, really figure it out. Uh, it's not something that they kind of give you a manual before you get drafted or when you're in school. And uh, I really try to educate some of these the high school kids before they make the decisions on the business of football. They say everything that you want them to say in the beginning, but under, have an understanding so you can start playing chess and not checkers. You know what? That That is so befitting what you just said, man. I'm a, outside of being a broadcaster, I'm a high school teacher. And, and, and I teach grades 9 through 12. And I'm always telling the student athletes, I'm always telling them exactly what you just said. Like, you know, you over here playing checkers. Meanwhile, it's somebody else to play the same position that you play, taking this student thing a little bit more serious than you. And they're over here playing chess and you're behind, you know, you're behind the eight ball. I tell these guys that stuff all the time. So it, it, it it's kind of valid, like validation to actually hear somebody that has walked in those shoes to um to, to actually um confirm that for me. So um outside yeah. of so outside of football, I mean what you got going on now? Now, man, I just actually right right before all this COVID stuff happened, I took a position with the NFL flag um football league. Um I know Reese is a, a, a president and Russell Wilson kinda of signed on, but since that happened I've um Obviously, they froze that, so nothing's going on for me there. Uh, but um, actually, my wife is uh, – we're expecting our first child, a daughter, in July. Congratulations. And uh, thank you, man. Thank you. It's, it's, it's been an exciting time, but lately it's been stressful with all this. We had before all this – again, a couple of weeks before this stuff started, we had just recently uh, put down on a house. Um, so we were, we're kind of moving, working out the jobs, and, you know, kind of figure out it and maneuvering that. Uh, so it's been hectic, I know, for, for everybody trying to um, find a new way of life with uh, all these uh, roller coasters that probably this, this whole world's been on lately. Um, but in my in my free time, like I said, I do try to help and mentor uh, the kids and just trying to explain, um, especially now, especially with all the, the information out there. You could go to the HBCU or SEC school. Obviously, I tied this hour ago in the first round. It it maybe more so when I did it mattered a little bit but now it's starting to it doesn't really matter if you can get the tools and you can get the teaching you can pretty much go anywhere and um, I think people are really really starting to see that so I try to you know like I said before educate them on the business and the full total picture of that just don't make an emotional decision because you see 100,000 people what are they going to do for you how are they going to help you prepare um, and this good thing goes back I think they're starting to implement this more now, but I've noticed even at the HBCU level, there's more programs to help you post college. Um, they didn't have those at a lot of the PWI. A little bit, they care more. They understand more. They um, most of the teachers there are black, so they do have the same struggles. And so they, some of them are willing to go a little bit above and beyond to help you to kind of educate you on life. You're not just you're not just a number there. So I think that's kind of the big thing, and that's why I try to tell some of these kids, like, hey, it's bigger than what you see on TV. Understand what you're getting into. Who are they going to hook you up with? What do you want to do post football? Do you want to scout? Man, there's other programs they have. When you're when you're on your visit, ask them how they can hook you up with that because those are the things they don't tell you. That, hey, once you graduate, they don't really bend over backwards to help you out. Now, there's some coaches that will, you know, they'll – starting to get programs in place, but it was more so at the HBCU level where they had a barrage of programs and different things that you can get into. Um, so I, I really try to, I'm passionate about that because I don't want us to go through that cycle of going out there and just feeling like football is the only thing. Now we're back at square one. You know, it's hard to transition out of that, but, you know, education is key. Absolutely. Now, a few more questions uh, for you before I let you go. And this is the HBCU Report. Rob Calloway on the line with uh, Michael Coe, Bama State Hornet, Super Bowl champion. Um, uh, before I let you go, all right, your dad. Let, you mentioned your dad really quick. Uh, coach Coe, Charles Coe, uh, was a yeah. uh, was a great coach for Alabama State. Is, is he still is he still coaching right now? He's actually still coaching. He's at an NAIA school in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, it's called Missouri Baptist. Um, his offensive coordinator there, and he's still loving the game. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to give it up. It's, I, I, that's what yeah. all the coaches say, man. That they'll be doing this thing till they die, because it. I mean, they love it. They just, yeah, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. And you haven't, you haven't it dipped your, what? you haven't dipped your toe in any coaching. 
No, I haven't. I haven't. I think I've been around the game longer. I got what I want from it. <laughs> I don't really want to coach, <laughs> but I love to get back closer to the game and any kind of aspect. Um, you know, whether that's even mentoring kids on campus or being able to, you know, broadcast or write or do anything. I, I just really enjoy the sport. I, I enjoy the sport, what it, what it gives you, what you learn, learn from the sport. I respect it. So I think um, with my knowledge and things that I've been through, uh, I think it's my duty. I believe it's my duty to kind of, you know, give those, give that knowledge and give that wisdom to people coming behind me that want to do better and greater things. And I tell the kids, I, I hope you're better than me. I want that's what I want for you to be way better than I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's how that's how progression happens. You know, every generation is supposed to be better than the next generation. That's how. Um, that that's exactly how we get better. All right. So before I let you go on the show, yep. what we started doing last week was every week we're going to commem- uh, commemorate a different year. So last year we kicked off with 1991. This year, I mean, okay. this week, we're doing 1992. Now, I know if, if my DeKalb County math serves me right, I think in 1992, you might have been nine. If my if my math serves me correctly, you were nine. Right around there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I can't even, some of these artists, I'm not even going to go through the list. I'm going to just ask you one group in particular that I know anybody in that age group had to be feeling. Dude, how big was Crisscross to you when you were eight, nine years old? Oh, everything. Shoot, that was younger. That was even younger. Uh, I was probably 18, about six, seven, probably, the crisscross. Oh, everything. People were wearing shirt jerseys on backwards. Everybody was telling what Nelly has been. I said, man, crisscross did that like 10 years ago. So, so that was, they were everything. Everybody was getting the twisties in their head. My mom was an English teacher, so she wasn't letting that happen. Right. I Mine too. Talking, so, <laughs> yeah, she wasn't letting that go. But, uh, my brothers, though, because I got, uh, two older brothers and an older sister, a younger sister as well, but, um, they had a big influence. So, you know, I was more into the, you know, probably the older guys. I, I, I like Nas. I was a Nas guy. I always have been, but my brothers were. So, but yeah, to ask the question, Chris Cross was huge. Absolutely. They will be everything. Yes. Yes, sir. All right, man. So overall, everything. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You got to have that. All right. So before I let you go, man, <clears throat> give everybody uh, your social media information so they can follow you. Oh, I'm an underscore cosign. I'm on Twitter. C-O-E-S-I-G-N. Cosign. Underscore cosign. I'm on there and on Instagram. Just recently on Instagram. Just usually rock with the Twitter, but that's underscore cosign. C-O-E. S-I-G-N. All right, Michael. Well, I appreciate you for checking in with me, and I look forward to uh, talking to you down the road, my man. Okay? Absolutely. I appreciate you having me, man. ASU. All day, my guy. Michael Cole, ladies and gentlemen, this is the HBCU Report. Rob Calloway putting the wraps on another edition of the show. Don't forget, we'll be back Thursday night at 7 o'clock via Spreaker.com, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn Radio app, or you can always download the show on demand via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play for Android, or via our content partner. When we're not here, we're there. There is SportsNewsAndBrews.com, your official source for sports, black news, political news, and the latest on your favorite craft beers. I'd like to thank our guest this evening, Michael Cole, Super Bowl champion with the New York football giants, former Bama State Hornet. Well, once a Hornet, always a Hornet. And it's always a great time to be a Hornet. And also my guy Carlton Wright, director of bands, Alabama A&M University. Appreciate you guys for checking in. Also, thank you, the listener, because without you, there would be no HBCU report. And I'll leave you with this, my friends. Tomorrow is not promised, so we've got to be the best version of ourselves every damn day. This has been the HBCU Report. I am Rob Calloway. See you guys Thursday night at 7 o'clock.
dental Act like you know it, don't be claiming that it's mental Two good kids with a flow you ain't never heard Ain't nothing fake that you can understand every word As you listen to my smooth melody The daddy makes you J-U-M-P It's the HBCU Report with Bob Calloway